to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Despite PCOS being something that 1 in 10 women experience, the medical model has little to offer beyond or instead of prescription medications, which can help but aren't answers. Part of the problem is a gaping hole in research when it comes to conditions that affect women, that have anything to do with gynecology specifically, or where there's not one set of lab tests that prove you have a condition, like with PCOS. For many women, it can take years to get a proper diagnosis, which it should not, despite dealing with a whole host of symptoms. When it's finally confirmed, most women are given very little direction and no treatment beyond the pill, metformin, and spironolactone, and other pharmaceuticals that may help in the short run, but don't get under the hood to the root causes. But this is important to do, even if you're also taking medication, because these root causes can drive other conditions too, and it's rarely optimal to manage a health condition solely with medications indefinitely. One significant cause that research is revealing is the connection between the microbiome and PCOS. In fact, gut health may play a much bigger role in PCOS than was ever previously considered. Addressing gut health is an approach I consider important enough to include in most protocols for women with PCOS in my medical practice and may help you find a safe, novel, and non-pharmaceutical approach to healing your PCOS or one that adjunctively supports your health even if you are using pharmaceuticals as part of your PCOS healing plan. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome to Natural MD Radio. Today we're talking about the PCOS microbiome connection, a surprising new approach to a complex condition. PCOS, what's really going on under the hood? Although there remains uncertainty as to what causes PCOS, we do know for certain that it's far more complex than just a gynecologic problem. There are three consistent patterns that are, are universal in most, although not all, women with PCOS. Some amount of insulin resistance or metabolic dysfunction, elevated androgens, for example, testosterone, and chronic inflammation. Let's break those down. Insulin resistance is when your cells stop responding sensitively to insulin in your bloodstream. This can lead to high blood sugar and put you at risk for other endocrine and metabolic related issues like type 2 diabetes. It's also a key driver of inflammation and a key driver of elevated androgens, both of which we'll talk about in a minute. As many as 70% of women with PCOS show significant insulin resistance, even if they're normal weight. And there's no known, no known number of women who may actually have insulin resistance that we're not picking up because in PCOS, the insulin resistance can happen at a very small level, but still be affecting hormone changes and causing symptoms. Insulin also causes the body to store fat, which is why many women with PCOS who are struggling with their weight find it so difficult to lose weight. PCOS is also an increased risk of binge eating, which we're going to talk about. There are complex reasons for that, but binge eating can lead to increased intake of high sugar and high carb foods that add to the blood sugar insulin issues. There are a lot of vicious cycles that are happening with insulin, androgens, and inflammation in this condition. 
So let's talk about androgens. So we think about testosterone as a male hormone, but actually we all have it and men have it more predominantly, but in PCOS, it can be elevated as can a woman's sensitivity to her own testosterone. So you can have high testosterone and get symptoms from that, or you could have normal testosterone that shows up on tests, but still be super sensitive to it. So it can be causing symptoms, but you're told your testosterone is normal. If you have PCOS, some of the symptoms like frustrating weight loss, resistance, distressing hair loss, hair growing in unwanted places like your chin, breasts, or lower belly, for example, and cystic acne are all due to elevated androgen levels, which also interfere with ovulation, cyclic regularity, and fertility side effects or consequences we see with PCOS. Interestingly, insulin resistance and elevated blood sugar drive increased androgen production, and in a vicious cycle, Increased androgens further drive elevated blood sugar and insulin resistance. All of this and other factors lead to the fact that PCOS is considered a chronic inflammatory condition, meaning your body experiences persistent levels of elevated inflammation. Over time, this can damage tissues and put you at a greater risk for a lot of different health conditions, anything ranging from diabetes and heart disease to some of the common symptoms that women with PCOS may experience like allergies and asthma that nobody has told you might be related to this underlying chronic concurrent inflammation. It's suspected that chronic inflammation may also play a role in the anxiety and depression that are so common with PCOS. And I'm gonna talk more about that when I talk about the gut-brain axis. So what does your gut have to do with it then? Your gut is home to trillions of microorganisms, bacteria, yeasts, and fungi that play a central and essential role in regulating metabolism, meaning blood sugar and insulin and how you use your nutrition and how you burn energy. Nutritional status, hormone balance, appetite, and inflammation are all influenced by your gut microbiome. Simply put, a healthy microbiome is one in which there is a high level of microbial diversity and a preponderance of the good bugs with a minimum of the bad bugs so that the microbiome can perform all of its important functions while you stay happy, healthy, and relatively symptom-free. Now, narrowing it down to the good bugs and the bad bugs is a little simplistic because you can have good bugs that grow out of control in certain circumstances. That doesn't usually happen. The good bugs usually stay in their lane, but that could lead to um, bacterial overgrowth or something like SIBO. And when you have good bugs that end up in the wrong place, those can act like not so good bugs. So if you have good bugs that are supposed to be in your colon, but now they're all the way up in your small intestine, they can be causing a problem. So there are lots of ways that this dysbiosis shows up. But the general description is too much good bugs, not enough bad bugs, and those go hand in hand because when you have enough of the good bugs, they keep the less helpful bugs under control. They crowd them out. The problem is that most of us living in this modern world actually have some level of hidden gut dysbiosis, imbalances in the types, diversity, and ratios of the microorganisms living in our gut. And that's a result of years or decades of antibiotic overuse, a standard Western diet that's practically devoid of healthy fibers while being high in sugar. Stress has a huge impact on the microbiome, so does not getting enough sleep. In fact, in my book, Hormone Intelligence, I talk about how your 
gut microbiome can actually get jet lagged and make you have symptoms of jet lag, even if you haven't traveled anywhere, just not getting enough sleep. And even endocrine disrupting chemicals like BPS, BPA, phthalates in the environment have been found beyond a shadow of a doubt to unfavorably alter our intestinal ecosystems. In fact, it only takes about three days of eating a typical Western diet to knock out whole species of good bugs and feed the growth of the kind that we know are contributing to many chronic conditions that ail us, especially conditions like metabolic syndrome and diabetes, which now affect a third of the population. Microbiome health also occurs in conjunction with the integrity and health of your gut lining which when irritated, inflamed, or damaged leads to a problem called intestinal hyperpermeability or more commonly leaky gut. All of the things that I mentioned that can affect your microbiome can affect your gut lining. Also, things like gluten, if you're really sensitive to it, dairy, if you are sensitive, about half of all people who take dairy get inflammation from eating dairy. Um, If you use ibuprofen or NSAIDs like Motrin or Aleve, on the regular, these can add to the problems with leaky gut. Leaky gut and microbiome disruptions also go hand in hand, much like the symbiotic relationship between healthy garden soil and healthy garden plants. If you have healthy soil, you grow healthy plants. If you grow healthy plants, they in turn have healthy roots that feed the soil and round and round and round we go. The relationship of the microbiome and leaky gut to various metabolic diseases, hormonal, and inflammatory conditions has been well established in the scientific and medical literature, with profound connections to insulin resistance and diabetes, and estrogen-related breast and other gynecologic cancers, um, which I talk about in my podcast and article on the estrobilome, and also to autoimmune diseases, which I've talked about extensively when it comes to Hashimoto's but it can also cause other autoimmune conditions. That PCOS is both a metabolic and endocrine condition, has led researchers to explore the gut PCOS connection. This has led to findings that I personally believe really validate the importance of taking an integrative approach to treating PCOS beyond just medications, or perhaps as a true first-line approach prior to medications in many cases. Unfortunately, very little time is devoted to teaching physicians about PCOS, let alone about the microbiome and other aspects of gut health. Multiple studies have shown that women with PCOS have significantly lower microbial diversity and an altered composition of microbes, favoring the unhealthy types of gut microorganisms over the beneficial ones compared to women without PCOS. One recent study looking at the gut microbiome of teenagers with PCOS also found that these gut disruptions are present early on in the progression of this condition. Studies have also shown increased markers of leaky gut as well as general inflammation in women with PCOS. Growing research now also shows that dysbiosis, when you have disruption in your microbiome, and leaky gut play a significant role in the underlying factors that drive PCOS and its associated complications by influencing the key features that I talked with you about, insulin resistance, high androgen levels, and chronic inflammation. So much so that gut imbalances may not just be a significant contributing factor of PCOS, but some are now speculating that it could be a cause. Interestingly, 
Since oral contraceptives, the pill, are often a first-line medical recommendation for PCOS, I do want to mention that oral estrogen can contribute to leaky gut, and studies have shown that it modifies the gut microbiome as well. There's also evidence that the pill can lead to insulin resistance. So if you're currently taking or have recently discontinued an estrogen-containing form of the pill or any estrogen-based hormonal medications, it's a good idea to pay extra attention to the health of your microbiome. You can also, if you want to avoid the estrogen, talk with your prescribing care provider about doing a low progestin only pill. But you have to ask your care provider, regardless of what kind of pill you're being put on, to make sure that it's a progestin that doesn't easily convert to androgens in your body because that can worsen acne and hair loss with PCOS. And I've had many patients who have been put on the pill who have come to me and said, I started the pill and my acne or my hair loss got worse. And they're wondering why. And that's an answer. So let's talk about these various aspects of the gut PCOS connection. Let's start with insulin resistance since I talked about that first earlier. Women with PCOS have been found to have, as it's described in the medical literature, a defective insulin response. Now, there's nothing defective about you, but that doesn't mean that there's not something going on with your insulin. But what is it that's going on with so many women's insulin functions? Yes, there's genetics, and we do know that PCOS can get started in the womb before we're even born if our moms had insulin resistance, gestational diabetes, exposure to endocrine disruptors, or yet other known factors. But large studies looking at chronic disease, including studies that have been published in places like the New England Journal of Medicine, show us that at best 80% of diseases are not caused, or I'm sorry, 80% of diseases are not caused by genetics at best, at best 20% are. And it's thought that it's really more likely only 10% of actual medical diseases, chronic conditions are caused by genetics. So what is it that's causing so many women to have either their genetics tripped off and activated by something going on or not have genetics, but have these conditions show up? What's, what is it? Well, we know that antibiotics, modern diets, stress, environmental endocrine disruptor exposures, NSAIDs like ibuprofen and Motrin all affect our gut health. So does trauma. In fact, 50% of, of um, women have IBS, 90% of women have some gut disruption, and women who have experienced trauma, and especially sexual trauma, have a much higher rate of having IBS and gut symptoms. So trauma is really an important part of what can set our microbiome going in an unhealthy direction. In turn, the type and diversity of bacteria in your gut impact insulin resistance. So if you've taken antibiotics that have disrupted your gut, if you're not getting good fiber, healthy types of fats, and a diversity of fruits and vegetables in your diet, you might not be feeding your gut the nutrients your gut actually needs. I always think of when I was a kid, I had a, I had a 55-gallon fish tank. My dad was a fish tank, just freak. He loved them. And um, so we had this big 55-gallon fish tank in our living room and as a little girl, my, my dad would lift me up to sprinkle the fish food in. And so whenever I talk about all these things that feed the gut, I'm actually imagining, you know, you're eating these things and they're sprinkling into your gut and the microbiome are, are gobbling them up because I have this image of my fish tank. But in reality, it's kind of what's happening, except not like trickling down like fish food. So this connection to your gut 
what you're eating, trauma, environmental endocrine disruptors, um, antibiotics, NSAIDs, all of this um, really does affect the diversity of what's growing in your gut and also the biochemical impact of all of those things I've mentioned can kill off the good gut flora or preferentially feed the bad gut flora. So if you ever have made bread, yeasted bread, or been around fermentation for alcohol making, you know that what happens is you have to, if you're making yeasted bread, what do you put in the bowl? You put in some sugar, you put in some flour, and you put in some yeast and some water. And it's the sugar and the water that activates those yeast to grow. And what happens? They start to break down and fill the... um the flour with air. And so you get those nice bubbles that make yeasted bread. So, um, you know, have those nice little spaces in it and give it that like lightness that yeasted bread has. Sourdough bread is, it does some of that, but it's usually quite a bit denser. Yeast is doing the same thing. It's gobbling up the sugar in the moist environment of your gut. And guess what? Just like yeast rises or just like when you're fermenting uh, grapes to make wine, you can't cork the bottle because it'll pop out under pressure or the bottle would explode. You have to allow room for gas. Where does that gas go in your body? Well, it shows up as bloating. So bloating is one of the things that we see in a lot of women with gut disruption. So many women experience bloating. And we see it, of course, in women who have um, PCOS as well. So this gut connection to insulin is really important. And here's more of what we're learning. At least some portion of women with PCOS, along with its common companion insulin resistance, have higher levels of specific bacteria in their gut that may alter biochemical pathways leading to and further increasing insulin resistance. So the types of bacteria you have can also actually increase chemical changes that lead to insulin resistance. Reduced production of what are called short chain fatty acids. These are fats that help support the health of your gut lining and also nourish the healthy bacteria also drive insulin resistance and elevated androgen levels. And those are more common in uh, women with PCOS. So it's more common for women with PCOS to not have the good gut flora that are helping to break down these fatty acids into short chain fatty acids. And just as a, an aside, ghee, which is made from butter, but it's different than butter. Um, it's 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 um, had some of the butter solids taken off. Ghee is um, very very rich in something called butyrate. B u t y r a t e. Butyrate. Butyrate. If you think about the word butter and buter in butyrate, it is actually there uh, for a reason. Butyrate is very very richly found in ghee. So ghee, if you like it um, or are willing to acquire a taste for it, is a healthy fat. It shouldn't be your main fat, it still comes from butter, it's still a saturated fat, but a really healthy fat to add to your diet. If you get some resistant starch and you're eating like a sweet potato and you put a little bit of ghee on it, um, that's a really healthful food for feeding your gut. Okay, so let's switch gears from insulin resistant to elevated androgens and the gut connection. Studies show that lower microbial diversity in PCOS are associated with higher total testosterone levels, along with a higher incidence of common PCOS symptoms that come along with it, specifically, interestingly, in this case, unwanted hair growth. One reason is that lower amounts of bacteria means lower production of something called beta-glucuronidase. Now, I talked about beta-glucuronidase 
in my article on the astrobolome and how your gut impacts estrogen. So have a peek over at that pod article or listen to that podcast over on my website. But essentially beta-glucuronidase is an important enzyme that helps in hormone metabolism. And um, if you have a decreased beta-glucuronidase, you get more androgen production. Now, we mentioned chronic inflammation earlier on together. We were talking about it. And how does the gut play a role in chronic inflammation? It's really fascinating and quite central, in fact. Leaky gut and dysbiosis, in addition to insulin resistance, because insulin resistance itself causes inflammation, all cause inflammation. So leaky gut and dysbiosis independently also cause inflammation. How does this happen? Well, it happens because the gaps in your intestinal lining that normally stay closed and only preferentially allow certain particles across that are usually just nutrients, start to get lax. So gaps actually form that were meant to stay generally intact and act as kind of a border guard in your gut, only letting things across when they have the exact right passport to get through. But in when you have leaky gut or properly called intestinal hyperpermeability, the gaps in the intestinal lining actually allow fragments from food, so protein particles from food, and something called lipopolysaccharides or LPSs from even good gut bacteria, but more so from the not so great ones, because those produce more of them, to cross the intestinal lining and come into contact with something called your GALT, G-A-L-T. It's very rich lymph and immune tissue called the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, and it underlies the inner gut lining. When the GALT sees these fragments come across the interior lining that's supposed to be closed but now gets a little more leaky, it perceives them as a foreign invader. And much like when you get sick or you get a vaccination, your body mounts an antibody attack against those protein fragments or those perceived pathogens, and your inflammatory responses get dialed up to high volume to help your body's efforts to control what it perceives as danger, these fragments that aren't supposed to be there. As a result of a complex series of events, the downstream effect is a worsening of insulin resistance from the inflammation, which also in turn increases androgen levels. When this occurs chronically, as it does for so many of us, PCOS and other conditions like diabetes, for example, are the end game. If you have the genetic predisposition to diet to PCOS or diabetes, they're interrelated syndromes, then if you have these alterations in your gut, in inflammation, you have had a lot of antibiotics, you've been on the pill for an ever and ever, any of these triggers, and most of us have multiple, like most women, you know, the average um, number of antibiotic uh, rounds in the United States is 20 doses, 20 rounds of antibiotics, 20 separate rounds of antibiotics, like seven or eight or 10 days by, uh, by the time you're 18 years old, 20 rounds by the time you're 18 years old. Then think of all the times women take ibuprofen for their period during their teenage years. And think of all the environmental endocrine disruptors we're exposed to. It adds up. And so for any of us, it can set this cascade in motion. But if you are primed to have um, PCOS or prime to have diabetes, this can be like the switch that flips on the genetics that set that in motion. So it's not just because you have the gene that you get PCOS, it's that you have the gene and then these things 
sort of take um, like a, an avalanche or domino effect. And it's really important. This is why I say several things to my patients over and over. One, your genes don't necessarily control your destiny. There are things that you can do to put the brakes on and start to take these things back in hand. So inflammation, there are things you can do. Um, gut disruption, there are things you can do. Insulin resistance, there are things you can do. But it's also really important to realize, you know, as I shared earlier, some of these things happened in the womb before we had any control over them. And our moms had no idea, right? Nobody told our moms, oh, you know, if you're super inflammatory, then it could set up a genetic predisposition for your daughter. Who knew, right? So um, it's really important, several things. One, do not beat yourself up. And I'm going to talk about that more in a minute for another reason. But do not beat yourself up. You didn't do anything to cause this. You may be eating the perfect diet already. I'm, I'm doing air quotes with the word perfect. You may be doing yoga five times a week. You may be doing everything right, and you still have this. Or you may have never heard about these things contributing, and you have it. But it's not your fault. And also, it's really important to realize that while your genes don't control your destiny, and there are so many things you can do, it, it also means that sometimes things did start on a path way before you had control over it, and it, it kind of got like a runaway train. And so if you have PCOS, yes, you can reverse PCOS. Just like you have diabetes, you can reverse diabetes and not be diabetic anymore. But it may mean that you have the predisposition, and it does mean you have the predisposition, and so you want to always be mindful of the things that you um, welcome into your body and your life. But here's the thing, the things that you do to get on top of PCOS, and today we're going to stay focused on gut health, but all the things are really important for all of us, all people with wombs and ovaries and breasts to stay healthy in those systems, but also to keep our hearts and our brains healthy as well. And also to back down from miserable digestive system symptoms. I can't tell you how many women come to me and they've been constipated for years or decades. I mean like pooping once every two weeks. I've had patients, I asked one patient, did she poop regularly? And she did. She said, every Sunday I poop. And I'm like, I mean, just once a week, that was it. Like I poop every Sunday. And so, um, the thing I do see is like these things are totally turnaroundable and um, it your body feels better, right? It feels better to poop every day than once a week or once every three days. So these are things that are important for overall good health. And while I would never say, oh, it's good fortune to have a condition like PCOS or endometriosis because then you learn how to take care of yourself, the fact is that a lot of people end up 50 and 60 years old and never got a wake-up call until they had diabetes or a medical problem happened. And now they're in their 50s or 60s or 70s, and it's still not too late to turn things around. But if you're in your teens, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, you're in your early 40s, and you're listening, or you know someone who is in one of those ages and you know you can help them or share this with them. You know it might be your daughter, your sister, a friend. Um, you have such an ample opportunity to not only turn around the things that can be contributing to PCOS, but the things that contribute to those other medical problems, so that you can preempt those in your life to the extent that you know any of us can. But again, hearkening back to what I said earlier, even an article in the New England Journal of Medicine, no more than twenty percent at max. Like it's probably like ten or fifteen percent of disease is just the genes. So I want to talk with you about some of the other things that can happen with PCOS. I was talking about chronic inflammation, but I mentioned earlier that 
PCOS can be associated, the underlying factors that I've been talking about can be associated with PCOS, anxiety, and depression. So a a substantial number of women, and as many as half of women, if not more, who have PCOS struggle with depression and anxiety. It was long thought that this was due to weight problems and anxiety associated with PCOS causing self-esteem issues. But first of all, not all women with PCOS experience acne or weight problems, and not all women with higher weight or acne are depressed or anxious about it. So what's the deal? It's clear now that the much higher incidence of depression and anxiety in women with PCOS isn't only related to the hormone imbalances that occur, but to a powerful connection between what goes on in your intestines and your brain called the gut-brain axis. And this is true about anxiety and depression, even if you don't have PCOS. In fact, dysbiosis is now recognized as a powerful driver of something called brain inflammation biochemical changes that lead to inflammatory chemicals entering the bloodstream, making their way across the blood-brain barrier and causing anxiety and depression. And again, this isn't just something that happens in PCOS. It's a reason that gut health is an important part of the treatment of um, helping folks with mental health challenges, at least addressing it and making sure that you're rolling it back if it is contributing. Additionally, air quotes again here, guys, bad gut bugs produce chemicals in the gut that also affect your mood. In one study, just adding a probiotic yogurt, probiotic rich yogurt to the diet twice daily, substantially reduced anxiety in a group of women compared to those who didn't receive the yogurt intervention. And it wasn't the yogurt, it was the probiotics that made the difference. A lot of women with PCOS um, are not overweight, but many women with PCOS are, and PCOS can, it can affect women of all sizes, but weight challenges are really common in women um, with PCOS. They find it very hard to lose weight no matter how hard they try. That can add to frustration and challenges and self-esteem issues in a culture that falsely but terribly equates thinness with beauty, power, and health. A very strong connection links dysbiosis in the gut with increased weight, difficulty losing weight, and also obesity. There are numerous studies supporting this. This is due in part to the fact that there are certain strains of gut bugs common in dysbiosis that are able to extract significantly more calories from your food, meaning that if you're loaded up with those types of gut bacteria like Firmicutes, you're more likely to get loaded up with more calories making weight struggles more difficult for you, even if you're eating the same exact thing as your best friend who doesn't have dysbiosis or PCOS, and even if you're exercising and she's not. Really frustrating. Further, the inflammation associated with dysbiosis and leaky gut is also a culprit in gaining and holding on to extra weight. So is stress. And if that's not all enough to like make you kind of throw your hands up, microorganisms present in dysbiosis actually can make you crave more sugar. The good news about all this, you guys, is that yes, there are all these little problems, but as one of my teachers used to say, the wound reveals the cure. If we know what the cause is and the cause is something we can grasp and change, then you can change these things. It's clear that gut imbalances are, at the very least, present in many women with PCOS, but like so many interconnected relationships, insulin resistance, androgens that are elevated, and inflammation also cause dysbiosis and leaky gut. 
It's like a spider web. And if you touch one part, it all moves. But also if you heal one part, you get movement across the whole system. It's not always clear which comes first, gut imbalances causing PCOS or the other way around, but it's clear that they're interrelated. And also it's clear, as I mentioned in the study about the teenage girls having gut disruption really, really on early on in their PCOS course, that it does seem, and many are starting to think, that the gut imbalances may be the linchpin, if you will, causing the PCOS. No matter what, we know there's a big connection. The connection between PCOS and your gut has proven so significant that new research is looking at fecal transplants, yes, harvesting and transferring poop from one person to another, as a possible treatment for PCOS. In fact, it's already been shown to improve in um, improve, improve fertility and decrease androgen levels in a model of PCOS. If you're already like kind of gagging a little and rolling your nose up, do not worry. You do not have to go to the, those kind of lengths to heal your gut. I'm definitely not in my medical practice because there are so many other ways to get there from here. For unknown reasons, and quite possibly due wholly or in part to disruptions in the microbiome, women with PCOS have been shown to have impaired secretion of gut hormones, particularly one called leptin. This is an important possible explanation for PCOS because leptin actually moderates appetite and gives you a sense of fullness when you've eaten fats. Your brain gets this message and your body produces leptin. But in women with PCOS, this leptin production seems to have gone offline. And it's a really important possible explanation of PCOS as a newly discovered cause of binge eating disorder, a problem that affects millions of women, leading to a traumatically difficult relationship with food where women blame themselves for weakness and poor willpower when it's actually the condition causing this symptom. Before I say another word, I want to really emphasize something. By now, I hope you've gotten the memo. It's not you. It's not your fault if you can't lose weight, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, if you're binge eating, don't know why, and find it hard to stop. The underlying disruptions that are causing PCOS are causing or contributing to all of these symptoms, and that's just what they are. They are symptoms of PCOS as a complex hormonal and metabolic syndrome, not symptoms of your willpower or you being emotionally broken. If somebody had a broken arm, and they were having pain, you would never tell them to like strap on a pair and deal with the pain. You would know that the pain is a symptom of the broken arm and something needs to be done. If you're having binge eating, anxiety, depression, you're not going to blame yourself anymore. You, you might, but I want you to really stop. Stop blaming yourself. And if you're a mom of a daughter with binge eating or depression or anxiety, keep in mind, one, she could have PCOS and there's a very good chance it's not getting diagnosed. But even if she has PCOS and those things are happening, she needs help getting the imbalances back online so those symptoms can take care of themselves. Now, she may also need additional support and help um, for anxiety and depression and binge eating. Of course, we want to always use our good mental health resources as well. But it's just so important to recognize that these things are beyond willpower and simple. Just you know, think your way into not doing it. Now, not all women with PCOS have obvious digestive symptoms, and not even all women with PCOS have root gut problems as a root cause. But because 90% of women do have some digestive issues, and so many women with PCOS have insulin resistance and chronic inflammation that are associated with dysbiosis and leaky gut, gut health 
is so central to the protocols that I follow for PCOS. And gut health, again, is so important for our overall health. So I believe that nourishing a healthy microbiome and addressing leaky gut if they're present are important directions and low-hanging fruit for all women with PCOS to at least explore and ideally bring into balance. Bringing your microbiome into balance is actually not terribly complicated. A Mediterranean-style diet, which I provide guidelines for in my book, Hormone Intelligence, is the most important start. You want to get a higher balance of protein and fats in your diet compared to carbohydrates, compared to other women who don't have PCOS. You want to make sure to increase your fiber in your diet to at least 35 grams a day, which you can do by getting 8 to 10 servings of veggies a day and 2 tablespoons of flaxseed in your diet every day. And increasing your exercise is really important for PCOS. Taking a probiotic has been shown to improve insulin resistance and help with weight loss in some studies. And the supplement berberine, an extract of the herb golden seal, which is used to treat elevated blood sugar and insulin resistance, interestingly also plays a role in the gut microbiome. In fact, in traditional herbal medicine, golden seal is used as an antimicrobial and for gut healing. In one study of 89 insulin-resistant women with PCOS, taking 500 milligrams milligrams of berberine three times daily significantly improved markers of insulin resistance in the blood, even outperforming metformin. Now, I'm not going to talk about these strategies um, in this article, but you can find more on gut and hormone balance in my article and podcast called The Astrobolome, The Fascinating Way Your Gut Impacts Your Estrogen Levels. You can check out my article and podcast, PCOS, The Natural Prescription, if you're looking for more on treating other root causes of PCOS, as well as looking for more information on supplement support that specifically addresses insulin resistance and elevated androgens. And I dive deeply into all of these things in one place in my book, hormone intelligence. Healing a leaky gut is a little more complex, but I give you an overview in an article on leaky gut over on my website, and I offer you a complete protocol in hormone intelligence, the book, and I guide you through healing your gut completely in my 28-day gut reset. As you move toward healing PCOS, remember why it's important not to blame or beat yourself up, and know that there are things you can do to address a healthy gut. A healthy gut is so important, and studies show it's very achievable, with substantial improvements in microbiome diversity and health in as little as two weeks with the right support. If you're interested in learning how to heal your gut, which I consider so important to hormone health that I've made as part of my book launch, my 28-day gut reset completely free through June 8th. So my book goes live on June 8th. The gut reset is beautiful. It's brand new. It's been updated. Um, I've had over 9,000 women go through the program previously. I've got 4,900 women going through the program now. This is tried and true. And also it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautifully done. It's an easy to use website. You've got gorgeous handouts every day. And at the end of it, you not only will have my hormone intelligence book, which will arrive when the books go come out, you know, in actual print form, but at the end of the gut reset, you'll have a beautiful handbook of all the content. So if you want to join me on a journey right now, um, through June 8th, as part of my new book launch, you can get the 28-day gut reset, a complete gut healing approach, totally free for just purchasing one copy of my book. It's usually a $197 program. The book is like 20 bucks. 
And it's really easy. It's like literally easy as one, two, three, because it's three quick steps. When you head over to my website, just go to avivaram.com forward slash book. And you'll see the information about around the middle of the page about um, the gut reset. You can click over to a page just about the gut reset and learn all about it. And that'll take you right back to get the book. Or if you've already gotten the book and you want to join the reset or you want to get the book at a local bookseller, which I highly encourage local booksellers are taking a hit right now, you guys. And we're going to be doing something really special coming up in this book launch um, just to support local booksellers, which I'm very excited to share with you, but we're not quite there yet. Um, but you can get the book anywhere and then just go to that page, avivaram.com forward slash book. And you'll see in that one, two, three steps, how to register your book. It's literally only one step to register the book. And once you do that, you're automatically going to be enrolled in the re- in the reset. So if you have found this episode helpful, if you have someone in your life who is struggling with PCOS, anxiety, depression, acne, uh, binge eating, even if you're not sure you can share this article and say, hey, I, I, re- I listened to this. I thought it was really interesting and I just love to share this information. If you don't want to be like too pointed because you don't want to point out something that you think might be going on, say, hey, I just really love this podcast and this was the most recent episode. I thought you might really like to listen. And do you want to do the gut reset with me? Because all we both have to do is um, get Aviva's book and we can do it together. If you love it, share it with someone. Make sure to drop a comments in um, iTunes and um, make sure that you just give the podcast some love any way you can, because that's how other women hear about it and learn about it. And I'll tell you what, guys, there are a lot of physicians who are now hearing about the podcast because it's gained traction, their patients are telling about it, and it, that is really how we start to change medicine. The revolution is what we're doing for our own healthcare, but as we're doing it and we're reflecting back our changes um, and the things we're learning to our physicians, they do catch on. And many of them are women like you who are struggling with these conditions and don't have any better answers than the things that we learned in med school, like the pharmaceuticals. So share it on. Hope to see you in the reset. And I'll see you next week on Natural MD Radio. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time. <laughs>